So it's kind of actually been a long journey for me. Uh, it's not like something that happened all at once for me. I was uh, actually very science-minded when I was a kid and an atheist. I, I didn't believe in much of anything other than logic, fact, and science. And then I started sort of backing up and relaxing a bit as I started experiencing things that science didn't really explain and actually said was not real. <laughs> and I started realizing, you know what, I need to just sort of reassess and explore reality myself and see what I can see as true or not true myself. And uh, when I, uh, uh, you know, this really started when I was a teenager and I just kind of looked at everything through the point of view of superheroes because it was something I was really into and it was something that was as close to science that explained what I was going through as I could get at the time. And yes, hello and welcome everybody to Haunting Live podcast this week. Thank you so much for being here. Uh, after a short break last week, we are back live today, so we appreciate you following us on social media. We've noticed a whole bunch of new subscribers lately on our YouTube channel, so we appreciate that very much. And of course, if you like what you see here each and every week, uh, we do have a brand new guest uh, every single week here that talks about different topics in the paranormal field uh, like today. So um, if you do like what you see, don't forget to hit that like button on our video. That helps us out. And also hit the subscribe button if you feel like subscribing to our channel as well. And of course, too, if you don't... For if you do miss our live show on YouTube, you can always catch it later on the podcast apps and just listen to it when you have time to. So it's up there as well. But today we do have a special guest joining us. Uh, we do welcome Liz Worth. Uh, she is a tarot teacher as well as an author. So we're going to be talking to her today about uh, what it means to learn tarot. Very interesting topic. Uh, so uh, let's bring her in here. Hi, Liz. How are you? Uh, doing well. Thank you so much for being here and Haunting Live with us this week. Um, we appreciate you taking your time out and joining us to talk about what you do. And you're a teacher and author, correct? And um, being a teacher and author in tarot, um, how did you get started in that? What drew you into the life of tarot? Yeah, uh, you know, I was always really interested in the occult and divination ever since I was a kid. And I was really encouraged to explore those things because my mom was really interested in readings and horoscopes. And uh, she used to have psychics over to the house uh, and they would do parties and things like that at her house and uh, record everything on a cassette tape. And my mom would let me listen to the tapes later of what everyone's readings were in the room. So I was, you know, I wouldn't say that I was deeply immersed in it, but it was definitely there. And uh, yeah, like I said, I, you know, I was always interested in those, in those things. And 
uh, I wasn't discouraged from exploring them, you know, and I, I say that because some people are depending on their, their upbringing and um, the beliefs that their families hold. You know, I had friends who were, uh, you know, who had different, you know, yeah, just different types of rules and spiritual beliefs that, uh, and sometimes they weren't allowed to do things like play with Ouija boards or uh, check their horoscope in a newspaper. And, and I had the opposite. I was totally <laughs> allowed to do all of those things. And I did, and I took full advantage of that. So um, when I was 13, I found a, a book uh, about fortune telling. It was called The Little Book of Fortune Telling. It was at the grocery store. And my mom let me get that book. And it had a chapter about how to read playing cards. And so I spent that whole summer learning how to read playing cards. And that was my first entry into becoming a diviner. And uh, from there, I eventually picked up a tarot deck uh, when I was still in my teens, but I wasn't really patient enough to know what to do with it. And I ran into a lot of, I think, the same common assumptions that a lot of us experience when we first get into something like tarot, which is that I expected that I would just somehow know how to use it, right? There's uh, a common belief out there that tarot triggers your in intuition or that it instigates these intuitive downloads or a psychic experience for you. And that is a misleading idea, I, I often find, because it causes you to skip a lot of steps uh, when it comes to learning the actual technique around tarot and um, it also sets you up for disappointment, right? It, because it's not really an instantaneous experience. It is something that you have to learn. There is a structure to tarot. There is a system to it. And yes, there are different ways to learn it and different ways to use it. But if you just go in expecting to know what to, you know, what to do with it right away, uh, it's probably not going to work very well. I didn't know that at the time, but uh, eventually I came back around to it. I put tarot away for a while. And then when I was in my twenties, I actually went to uh, get an astrology reading and the astrologer was talking about tarot with me. And uh, it was a very casual comment. You know, he just kind of said, I have clients who, you know, you remind me of other clients I have um, and they're really into tarot. You know, are you into tarot? And I said, no. But when he said that, I, I realized that, you know, I used to be really, really interested in card reading and I had gotten away from that for several years and uh in my early 20s and i was looking for something i was looking for uh something to fill some some spiritual gaps that i was uh, experiencing at the time and so when he started talking to me about tarot it was kind of like it felt like someone was handing me a glass of water and i was really thirsty uh for that little tidbit and so after that reading i decided to get back into tarot and uh i picked up another tarot deck and i i you know i was a little bit more patient a little bit more mature when i came back into it and i, I decided you know i'm actually i'm gonna, i'm actually going to spend time learning how to do this properly and really understand what these cards are about and what they represent and where they came from and so uh that was you know that was my entry point into tarot it wasn't perfect it wasn't magical uh it was a little bit confusing it took a long time, uh, but yeah, but that was really how I, I got into it. So it was always, you know, always on the sidelines, but it took me a while to really start to appreciate how to use it. Yeah. Well, I'm sure it's confusing for a lot of people when they first start getting into wanting to learn tarot or wanting to learn what the cards mean to them. Um, I myself have been trying to get into that topic as well, and I find it really difficult to 
sort of interpret what all the cards mean. There's so many cards in the deck, right? So um, how would you recommend people, well, first of all, choosing their deck to use? And um, what, what would you recommend for people picking out their own deck? Because I've heard there's different ways of doing it for, for yourself. So um, how would you recommend people choosing their first deck? Ooh, I love this question. Okay, so... My answer is not going to be an answer that everyone agrees with, and that's okay. Uh, but I think that decks are actually really important because it's easy to choose the wrong deck. And right now we live in a time where there are so many great tarot decks coming out on such a regular basis. And tarot is definitely experiencing a golden age. Uh, but not every tarot deck is created equal in that the images are not always that easy to read. And I, what I teach people to do is how to actually read the artwork on a tarot deck and to look at tarot as a visual language first and foremost. So if you're choosing a deck, you might see something that's beautiful and you might really think this artwork is amazing. But if you're not looking at whether you can actually read those pictures for things like body language, direction, patterns, then you might find it very challenging uh, to understand the ins and outs of that deck. So I recommend that people tend to start on decks that are a little bit more traditional. Uh, the Rider-Waite-Smith is, is always a classic, but it's, you know, it's one of the most popular decks in the world for a reason, right? It's, it's easy to read and a lot of modern decks are based off of that deck. And there are many decks that are inspired by the Rider-Waite-Smith as well that are out there that are just as good and just as readable and just as accessible, but finding something that is either Rider-Waite-Smith based or just going straight with that Rider-Waite-Smith deck uh, tends to be where I, I steer people first, especially if they're working with a deck that they're, they're, that's just not working for them. And it's like, sometimes the problem is not you, sometimes the problem is actually the deck. Yeah. So do you think that, um a certain deck will uh, sort of quote unquote speak to a person then when the person is choosing the deck for themselves, does that deck sort of reach out the energy to the person and say, yes, this one's right for you? Because I've heard ways of doing it like you're supposed to touch the deck with your hand to see if you can feel the energy of it and stuff like that. So um, do you think the decks actually do that or is it just sort of how you connect with the deck personally? So again, I don't always have the most popular opinions. <laughs> out there and that's okay. Uh, I, you know, I tend to, I tend to be cautious about that kind of advice um, because if someone's really, really new to tarot, right? If they're, if they're going out, they're getting their first tarot deck, they're brand new in this kind of world. They don't know a lot about what it means to connect their intuition. Uh, they're, you know, they don't really have a lot of training around what it means to follow those hunches and those feelings. It gets really confusing to think, am I, am I having a passing thought? Am I having an emotion? Am I, you know, a little, just a little bit hungry and my, you know, I, you know, things are just off in my body. I find that it can be very challenging to try to pick up on things like energy like that. Um, so again, I, I, recommend that people go with a deck that uh, is actually going to give them readability first and foremost, um, rather than thinking that the deck has some kind of consciousness. And this is another 
thing that people won't always agree with me on. Um, but cards are cards, right? They, you know, I, I think that objects can take on certain energies. I know I sound very skeptical when I'm talking about this. I, I'm not, you know, I, I, I used to work in a crystal store. Uh, I understand, you know, that things can have a certain frequency to them, but I don't think that everything necessarily does. And sometimes, you know, for you to actually have a bond with an object or to create that kind of energy around an object, you actually need to have a relationship with it for a while. So a deck that's sitting in a package on a bookshelf that's fresh out of a factory may not actually be reaching out to connect with you, right? It, it, it might just be sometimes our imagination, uh, sometimes a, a wish, right? Uh, you know, some, you know, you know, wanting to have that kind of connection to something. So we have to be very mindful and use very strong, I think, willpower when we're trying to engage in tarot in that way, because it's very easy for us to start to tell ourselves stories sometimes about something that's happening that may not actually be happening. Does that make sense? Yeah, that's true. I think you have to be slightly cautious when you're new into this field. Um, even dealing with any type of energy work, you have to be cautious. Um, and dealing with cards and you're trying to get answers from some kind of modality is being cautious as well. So definitely good advice, I think, for the beginner tarot person that wants to get into it. Um, speaking of that, let's go to the next step then. Once a person chooses that they want to learn tarot, how do you start guiding that person through tarot? Like what's, what's your next steps with the person? Mm -hmm. So again, my, you know, the first step that I, I tend to have people focus on is really learning to actually look at their cards. Um, what, what sometimes tends to happen and, and I, I made all of these mistakes when I was starting to learn tarot. So I speak from experience here. Um, you know, what tends to happen is that we get our, our card deck, we pull some cards, they don't make any sense to us when we look at them. And so we turn to that book, right? We grab that guidebook and we start to look at the card meanings. And then we start to think, oh, if I could only remember these card meanings, I'd be good. Right. And the card meanings do have a, a, a time and place and they are, they are a good, I think they give us some good consensus around general agreement on what each card means, right? So I, I'm not saying that they, they go out the window completely, but where readers tend to get stuck when they're learning tarot is that they end up making it a very cerebral process, right? They're, think, they're trying to, to create a reading based off of what they've memorized or based off of what they're reading in a book rather than learning to actually look at the cards as a visual language. If you learn to, uh, to look at those cards and see the stories that are in your cards, then you're not putting yourself under that kind of pressure to think, what have I memorized about this? What did I read about in the book yesterday? Or you're not disrupting the reading itself uh, and stopping yourself from looking at what's there to go and turn and read letters on a page, right? I understand why we do this. You know, we rely so much on text a lot of the time. It's where we get our information from, right? We read books, we read articles, we read captions on social media. It makes a lot of sense, but tarot is different, right? There's so much information in those cards, but you have to learn what it is that you're looking at so that you can really start to see how they're speaking to you and how they're answering questions. And once you're able to do that, 
tarot gets really, really, really interesting, but it takes practice to do that because it really is in a way rewiring your thinking to take information from a picture rather than a sentence or a paragraph, right? So that's what I have people start with first. It's not so much about learning card meanings, but just allowing yourself to purely look at the cards, to look at the people in the cards, to say, what are they doing? Are they busy? Are they resting? Are they walking? Are they sitting? All of those things give you a lot of information around how to structure your readings. Because once you start to be able to describe those pictures in the cards, suddenly you have verbs, you have actions, you have things to do, right? So you can actually say, okay, I see that everything here is at a standstill, for example, right? If you have a whole bunch of cards that are not moving, uh, all of a sudden that might really speak to something that's relevant in your own life or or your sitter's life, right? If you're reading for someone else, maybe everything is blocked. Maybe everything is moving really slowly. Tarot shows us those things. It shows us the pace uh, at which our lives are moving. It shows us whether things are speeding up. It shows us if things are flowing, if they're easy, if they're challenging, right? But you have to, you have to really understand uh, that it's okay to just let yourself look at those pictures and build language around what's there. So would you say then it's built upon a lot of intuition based then? Is it your intuition that you're reading out of the cards or are you just interpreting what the cards mean to you? Yeah, I mean, you're you first, you know, again, this is this is my method, right? So everyone has has different different approaches. Um, but first and foremost, you really want to speak to what you're seeing in those cards. I think that intuition does play a role in readings. Uh, but intuition tends to come once you're really comfortable with understanding what the cards represent, right? So really understanding how are you looking at them, uh, you know, understanding also what, yeah, what, do, you know, what are those images in terms of maybe, you know, sometimes their archetypes, their roles in the deck itself, Um you know, every card in tarot is there for a reason, right? So understanding why, you know, why have these specific cards shown up in my reading? Why are these specific cards answering a question, right? Being able to really let yourself talk about what's there in front of you is the first part. Where the intuition comes in is when you're so comfortable with those processes that you're not thinking about it as much anymore. And it, it does become like second nature. It does become like speaking another language. And then tarot can get more creative. It does feel like you're more in flow with things because like I said, you're not kind of going through the, the mechanics or the mental process of remembering all of these steps, right? Or trying to figure out, okay, why, why is this card here? I've never seen this card before, right? Um, the intuitive part happens when all of a sudden you realize that you're looking at, at pictures, right? You're looking at pictures on cardboard that somehow makes so much sense to you or your sitter that you can't really explain why, right? Because it's, you know, tarot is a strange thing to do. It's not very logical. Uh, when you start to try, you know, to break down why it works, right? Um, it's one of those things that I was, you know, I would say it shouldn't work, but it does. And sometimes 
those images can mean so many different things, right? The cards can have all kinds of meanings and they can show up in all kinds of context, but you'll hit on things that are so specific to that moment or to a situation. And that's where the intuitive part comes in, I think, is when you know that you could take a reading in all kinds of different directions, but at the same time, you're looking at those cards and saying, there's, o- there's only one answer here and this is it. Yeah. So with that, then that's great information, I think, for everybody that wants to learn how to do it, just how to sort of go about learning their way of doing tarot. Um, how were the cards originally originally designed then? Um, what was their main purpose when the first deck of tarot was designed? Do you know the history about it? Do you know mm-hmm. um, why each card was designed the way it was? Or Yeah, so this is also a great question. Uh, The history of tarot is something that I also encourage people to explore, uh, especially if they're beginners, but even if they're not beginners and they've never, you know, and they've been using tarot for a while, but they don't know where it came from, go into the history of tarot because it's not only a really interesting history, but it also gives you such a deeper context and understanding of the tool that you're working with. And Another reason why I see people getting confused about tarot sometimes is because they don't know the history of it. So they're working with something that maybe they're making assumptions about. Maybe they've heard different origin stories because there are a lot of um, uh, there are a lot of mis- misconceptions about tarot, and there are origin stories that have been falsified over time. So you want to make sure that you really have a good understanding of. Uh, where those cards came from, even if the deck you're working with doesn't look like decks that uh, were at ground zero when tarot was created. So tarot started as a card game in Italy in the 1400s. And you can still get decks that look similar to those early decks, right? Often we call them Marseille decks, and it's a little bit of a different style of reading. than what we might tend to see in Rider-Waite-Smith style decks, right, or more esoteric tarot decks. But, uh, you know, a lot of the images that tend to be common in tarot did come from those decks. So things like the death card, the tower, temperance, judgment, the world, right, all of those images are really old, right? They're centuries and centuries old. And... Understanding again, you know, how those images came to be, why they look the way they look, those aren't things that you would necessarily need to talk about if you were reading for another person. They may not necessarily be top of mind when you're even reading for yourself. But knowing the root of those things makes you a much stronger practitioner, in my opinion. Um, a great book to check out is, uh, a book by Robert Place called, uh, it's got a long title, Tarot, Tarot, Magic, Alchemy, Hermeticism, and Neoplatonism by Robert Place. That book is awesome. <laughs> uh, because if you want to know the history of tarot as well as how to, uh, start to think about how that history applies, uh, to a tarot practice, that book will get you started. It's a dense read. But it's like a whole, it's like having like a whole course on the history of tarot in a book. 
that sounds interesting. It does sound like a thick read for sure, uh, especially with that title. But um, yes. I, I, I think I would recommend it to the people to learn about the history before you start getting into a topic. So like you want to learn tarot, know a little bit about the history before you get into what you're getting into. So you know a little bit about the background, right? So I love, I mean, I love that. It, to me, I, it, it makes so much sense. And, and I think where we run into gaps around that is that it's just, it, it's so easy to go out and buy a tarot deck, right? And, you know, you can get a deck at so many, you know, bookstores these days, it's so easy to, you know, order something online. Um, but you order a deck, it doesn't necessarily come with any context for the history of those cards. And so uh, sometimes, you know, I, I do think that people just end up with, like, with these cards in their hands and, they're not really, they don't really know uh, how to go deeper than that, right? Or there's, there's nothing that's easily pointing them to to start with the history first. But yeah, I totally agree. It's it's sometimes I, I always say we learn tarot backwards in some ways because of that, right? We're not, we don't start at the beginning. We start right now. <laughs> yeah, no, I think I agree with that too. After talking to you a little bit today, it seems that we do go backwards on that learning curve. So um, especially if somebody has the mindset to actually design their own cards which a lot of people are doing these days um mm -hmm. do you think that they have the background or are they just taking what they want to put on pen to paper so to speak and say i like this design and this is what i want for this card do they know the background of all the different cards like do you think that they just go about it on their own i don't know um i don't <laughs> I, I don't know i don't know what every deck creator is up to i uh but I think that if you're going to create a deck, then yeah, you should absolutely know where those images came from, because it is easy to take it for granted that there's always a fool card and there's always a death card and there's a high priestess and all of these, again, these archetypes that we've become very familiar with from the tarot, but it's good to know why that's there, right? What is that, you know? Um, to know even the high priestess wasn't always the high priestess, right? She was originally the popess. And so even having, you know, information about those details, right? Uh, gives you a deeper root to those images. So yeah, I, I think that, yeah, if anyone is going to create a deck, absolutely, you know, creative inspiration is awesome, but uh, having, having it grounded in uh in the knowledge of what you're working with uh goes even further i think yeah yeah that's what i was sort of getting at was like do they know what they're creating when they're creating these decks or are they creating something that's totally different from what was originally intended to be on the tarot card you know what i mean yeah and i mean i think it's okay you know tarot is an interesting a really interesting study in in evolution, I think, in creative evolution, spiritual evolution, because tarot has always changed. Um, you know, even looking at, at early iterations of tarot decks when it was still being used as a card game, the images uh, sometimes varied from deck to deck, right, region to region. And tarot is one of those things that, you know, no one owns it, right? So, so many people over again over centuries have looked at tarot and reinvented it you know it was reinvented from a card game into a divination tool and an esoteric tool through occultists who came along later right and and saw you know looked at these tarot cards and saw something different in them they saw it as something more than a game right they saw you know deeper layers of meaning and different uses for it and 
if we didn't have people looking at tarot and thinking, I see something else here, then I don't know, would we have tarot in the way that we, we have it today, right? It's such a varied practice. There are so many different ways that people use it. There are so many different types of tarot practitioners out there as well, right? You know, again, I'm, I'm a very visual reader. That's what I teach. I teach people how to look at tarot as a visual language, but there are other practitioners who incorporate different modalities with tarot, right? Some people combine Kabbalah and astrology with tarot. Some people use it as a psychological tool. Some people use it as a self-care tool. Uh, sometimes people use it in their therapy practices, right? So, you know, there's no... Tarot has never, I think, been just one thing. Um, so I think it's 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 okay for it to continue to evolve and grow because that seems to be its nature. It seems to be what it wants to do. And so I don't think that there's anything wrong with, you know, deck creators who come along and and make tarot for the, the present day, right? Because we need that as well, right? Um, but but yeah, it's there's but you don't want to lose the history or the, the lineage of it either, right? You don't want to lose that information because there is centuries of of ideas and and you know collective opinions and wisdom in that deck too. So we can't just yeah, we can't lose sight of those things. You want to carry on those threads, but also make it relevant for now. Yeah, I agree with that as well. Like times change, so you gotta change the modality that you use in tarot mm -hmm. or any type of deviation that you use. You gotta change with the times and make it work for what's now, right? So, absolutely. Um, yeah, I agree yeah. with that too. So, yeah. I think it's good that these new decks are coming out that you have a lot of selection to choose from when you want to go and buy a new decks. So, there's tons out there for people to pick from. So, uh, what's your favorite type of deck to use? What do you like to use? Oh, um, you know, I tend to stick to the same decks. Uh, yeah, I like the Rider-Waite-Smith. That's the one that I, I teach on. I like a deck called the Cosmic Tarot as well. Uh, it's it's a fun one. It's based off the Rider-Waite-Smith, but uh, like it sounds, it has got a little cosmic vibe to it. Um, the Morgan Greer is another really good one. Uh, yeah, I mean, those tend to be my go-tos, yeah. That's cool. And how do you normally yeah. do it for clients? Do you use a certain style of spread of cards or do you try to use the same type of work each time you do it for a client or how do you normally do a reading for a client like your spreads? Yeah. So typically I'm a very question oriented reader. So I, when people come to see me, they tend to bring a list of questions and uh, that's how my practice has evolved over time is just to be able to answer, you know, kind of whatever, whatever's top of mind for someone. So I find that for me, the best way to do that is just to do a three card open reading. So no positions, pull three cards in answer to that question. I let the question inform the context of the reading and I read the cards as they are, uh, as they show up. I do use some tarot spreads and I think that they can be really helpful for people who don't have questions, right? Because tarot spreads impose those questions basically on the cards. The challenge that I find with spreads is that um, sometimes, you know, it, it's a lot, you're putting a lot of pressure on one card to speak to one area of life, right? So for example, with a, a popular one like Celtic Cross, 
you know, to look at a Celtic cross and you know that the, the last card in the Celtic cross typically is used as the outcome card, right? So you have one card speaking to the outcome of this 10 card spread. And depending on how you're using that, maybe it's a, you know, you're looking at what's coming up for you this year or something. Think, wow, it's a lot of work for that one card to talk about the outcome of, of a whole year, right? So, um, so I am mindful of things like that. And that's also why I like to use spreads that are a little bit more open and that do just uh, allow for the images to play off of each other because that way, you know, all those cards are able to work equally together um, rather than, uh, yeah, having just kind of one card speaking to one area of life every time. So that's my preference. I'm a little bit, a little bit biased towards the, the no spread spread, but that's me. Yeah. Yeah. No, uh, each person is different in the way they like to use the cards and use breads or just pull cards out. And I've seen many people do it many different ways. So, um, I've seen some people use yeah. like rows and rows and rows of spreads, but I see other people use just like three cards and that's it. So, um, I find that interesting how they can use different methods like that and to get the same results almost. So um, totally. do you find that, do you yeah. find that you get sort of equal results or do you find you get different results doing it different ways or? Yeah, that's an interesting question. You know, I find that, I find that you can probably, you know, get to the same answer with different spreads. And, um, but I think it just depends on sometimes how you want to get to that answer, right? Uh, one thing that I'm mindful of is that when we're, we're doing readings and we're, you know, tapping into, you know, whatever language you want to put around it, right? A, a higher power, or you're you're having a conversation with the universe, you're connecting with the divine. If there's a message about a lesson that you're moving through in your life, or a theme that you're experiencing, or something that's going on, that message will come through somehow, right? It's it's not necessarily going to be lost because you used a tarot spread versus an open reading, or, you know, I, I think that if those things are important and they're they're really, you know, choosing to come through our divination practices, then they'll show up somehow, right? And I've found that even. Uh, when I used to use astrology in my practice, because I am trained in astrology as well. And, you know, sometimes people would come for an astrology reading and then they'd come back and, you know, a while later and want a tarot reading. And the, the, the answers would all be the same, right? They just come up in different ways because you're, you know, your life is your life. You're moving through these things regardless. Um, so they're, they're going to come up through whatever, uh, whatever you're engaging with, right? It's, it's not like you're necessarily going to get always more, <laughs> uh, more information. Sometimes I think we want more information, but I, I do think that um, there are times we just have to acknowledge that the universe might only want us to, to kind of be where we're at and know what it's giving us. And that's, you know, and we have to leave it at that. Yeah. Yeah, I guess in some some ways, some circumstances, you just have to accept what the card is saying, even though it's not what you want to hear sometimes. Um, do you sometimes like to use, I know some people do this, they'll do the spread, um, they'll get the readings on it, but then they'll pull an extra card or an extra couple of cards at the end of the reading just to sort of clarify what the reading is saying. Do you tend to do that or is that something that you've seen other people do? Yeah, the clarifier card. So... I used to, you know, yeah, I've used clarifiers here and there over the years. Um, 
it used to be something that I, I also uh, would teach in some of my classes. And I, I stopped using clarifiers over time and I stopped teaching this technique because I felt, I started to feel similar to it as I do about letting your intuition guide you maybe towards a tarot deck, for example, when you're not sure really what, you know, what your intuition feels like yet, right? Um, the problem with clarifiers is that I, I think that they're actually quite a challenging technique for beginners to use and even sometimes intermediate readers to use because um, they can become an excuse. Sometimes they can become an excuse uh, to not learn how to read the cards that are already in front of you. And so what I noticed was that when students would uh, would use clarifiers. That's what they would do. Sometimes they wouldn't push themselves to work with maybe the three cards that they were reading on. They'd say, ah, I don't like these cards, or I don't really understand them, or I'm not sure I'm getting this. So I'm just going to pull more. And you have to have very, 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 very strong boundaries around your tarot practice. If you're going to use clarifiers, because otherwise it's, yeah, it's so easy to let yourself end up pulling the whole deck <laughs> sometimes. Right. Um, and, and I do think that if you are struggling to interpret what's in front of you, then that's actually, that's actually a, a sign for you to learn how to work with those cards that are present, right? There's something about those cards that, that maybe you still need to, uh, to go deeper on. You might still need to learn how to interpret them, connect with them, look at them, whatever your techniques are. So that's why I pulled back a bit from clarifiers. I think, again, they can, they can work, but they have to they have to be used with such discretion uh, and such specificity. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and no, I've seen some um, people that use the cards and then they do the spread, but then they've already pulled like maybe three or six rows out of cards, right. but then they pull out like three more cards on top of that. It's like, how are you supposed to get an accurate reading when you got rows and rows and rows? And then you pull out more cards to lay on top of those rows that just seems to like ruin the energy of the cards to me yeah, I'm, yeah i think i'd be okay yeah. with like one clarifier to be like okay yes that confirms what i'm getting out of these three cards that i have here but when you're doing like a multi-row spread and then you pull out like three more cards on top of that to say yes <laughs> sometimes that kind of just ruins it i think I, I agree. It can dilute the original message for sure. And it can be confusing to the reader as well, right? Because yeah, all of a sudden you have all these different images that you're looking at. Um, you know, there are cards, there are a lot of cards in tarot that can contradict each other, right? They, there are cards that are opposites to each other. Or they feel opposite to each other. And so once you start to get too many cards in the mix that were not part of your original intention for that reading, then yeah, you can end up with so many mixed signals as well, which is why I think it's really important that if you're using clarifiers, you really have a clear understanding of what the role of a clarifier is in your reading, what it's there to do, what your boundaries are with it, and also when are you using it, right? Because yeah, if you're using it just because you're, you're not sure what you're looking at, then you need to figure out what it is you're looking at first and foremost before you start pulling extra cards, because extra cards won't help you. <laughs> Point, right it will just make it worse no exactly if you don't understand what's there in front of you as it is you need to interpret that a little bit better i think exactly yeah. so yeah 
Um, well, thank you for joining us here today, Liz. I appreciate you taking your time oh, to uh, you. start talking about what you do and how you work with tarot and um, how you teach tarot as well. I thought that was really interesting that you have a school out there where you have students and you actually teach that as a class. So I um, thought that was really interesting. To, to... Thank you so much. Um, so what else do you do besides tarot? Is there something you want to touch on before we let you go? What else do I do besides tarot? I mean, I do a lot of other things besides tarot, but uh, I find that for the most part, tarot is usually um, what people are interested in hearing from me <laughs> about. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, so so yeah, if people want to learn more about uh, my tarot work, they can go to lizworth.com uh, and check out what I have there. I also have a lot of free resources on my website. Um, in a free resource section for different levels of readers. So readers who are totally new at the beginner stage. Um, I have really good beginner resources available there, but also I have intermediate resources around things like asking questions and, uh, you know, what to do after you've learned some of those beginner basics and things like that. So that's often where I recommend people go to, to check out more and get a taste of how I talk about tarot and, and what I do with it. And, um, and if, you know, if they think that my methods and my approach work for them, uh, then they can grab all those things and go from there. That's cool. I think you have all that information available for the beginner tarot person that wants to get into that. And, uh, start at that level they don't have to jump into like a intermediate level or something like that that's too difficult exactly. for them so yeah. um, i think that's one thing too a lot of people tend to do when they learn tarot they go to somebody and then they sort of thrust upon their knowledge upon somebody mm -hmm. and they don't understand it fully because they're not at that level right so yeah and it's 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 hard i think these days you know one thing that i i find is um you know really getting in people's way is accessing tarot online, especially through social media, and finding that sometimes they're seeing readers do things that maybe, yeah, they, they don't have the context for, they don't have the training for, um, or seeing readers do things that maybe are really popular for the algorithm, but that are not necessarily the best techniques to actually put into practice for themselves. And so I think it's important to remember that you know, we do have to figure out what our first step is when we want to learn any skill, right? Whether it's tarot or another type of divination or anything else, you know, there is a, a place to begin. And then once you've, you're at that starting point, then you put, you know, you take another step and another step and then another step and let it build. Um, but online, it can be hard sometimes because you know, social media is not a curriculum, right? So everything comes at you very randomly and, uh, yeah, you don't always have the the background or the context for what people are doing or why they're doing them. So I, I, I do think that um, it can be helpful sometimes for those who are maybe confused about what they're doing with tarot or trying to figure out, you know, why aren't things working? Um, it's okay sometimes just to take a step back and and you know, figure out where are the gaps in your knowledge or where are the gaps in your experience and find a way to start to fill those. Um, because uh, it's, yeah, it's really easy right now, I think, to get discouraged, but also to sometimes be misled uh, by <clears throat> too much information. There's just too much <laughs> information out there and um, it's okay to go a bit slower with it. 
Yeah, no, I find that all the time. But I'm trying to look up or resource something or um, looking up information. It's just like information overload. Sometimes you don't know where to look and <laughs> you get frustrated some days. But, but yeah, thank you for, and, and so many people are doing yeah. different things, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh, it's good that you have that information out there for people to actually just sort through and say, well, this is beginner stuff only. You can look at this and then move on. So, Exactly. Yeah. Well, thank you very much, Liz. I appreciate you oh, being here you. at Haunting Live and talking to us today about tarot and how you teach it and what you do with it. It's very interesting. So thank you. Oh, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Anytime. And um, so you have a website as well. You mentioned quickly earlier, but what's the website again? Yes, lizworth.com. Lizworth.com. Okay, I recommend yes. everybody go check that out. And um, thank you again for being here today and talking about what you do, Liz. Appreciate it. Thank you. I appreciate it as well. Thank you so much. Thank you. Have a great rest of your weekend. You too. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. <laughs> And uh, that was Liz Worth. Uh, she joined us today talking about uh, tarot readings. She has a school where she does teaching of tarot. And uh, very interesting to learn from a beginner's point of view. Um, like myself, I'm a beginner tarot person, and I am trying to get into the topic a bit more. But uh, very interesting to learn how to do that. And the fact that she has a bunch of information available to talk about was really wonderful to get into. So hopefully it was insightful to you as well, uh, listening today or watching today live on YouTube. Uh, we are live right now. Thank you so much for tuning in, everybody, this week to Haunting Live Podcast. We appreciate all the subscribers lately. We've had a bunch of new ones lately, so thank you so much for that. If you like what you see here each and every week, don't forget to hit the like button on the videos that you watch, and also hit the subscribe button if you want to watch our stuff in the future. We appreciate it very much. And uh, each and every week, we do have a new guest in the paranormal world, and we talk about different topics here on Haunting Live, so not just mediumship or tarot, but we do a lot of different topics here on Haunting Live Podcast. There were different guests each and every week live at 4 o'clock on Sundays every week. So um, mark your calendars and uh, be back here next week for our next guest. Uh, don't want to take a quick moment to mention um, we have updated our official website which is hauntinglivepodcast.com uh, There's a bunch of new graphics and new layouts and stuff for you guys to ch check out on our website so we would recommend you head over there to take a look. Uh, we have our public event tickets there that's coming up for our next public event this year. Uh, they are available right now. We also have the latest episodes of Honey Light Podcast and all the past previous episodes are up there. We have a link to our YouTube as well where you can watch videos directly there on our website if you wish. And uh, also don't forget to check out our merch store. We have a lot of great items uh, in the spiritual paranormal world that are available to purchase under our merch page. Uh, things like uh, cleansing items, crystals, healing items, protection items, uh, stuff like that that you use in the paranormal field each and every day. So if you need anything like that, you can head on over to our Haunting Light Podcast merch page. Check out the great deals that we have for you guys over there as well but with that guys that's about it from here on haunted Live podcast this week uh don't forget to be here for our next week's guest but other than that take care guys and uh thank you so much for tuning in this week um and began working with healing of the land and because it felt like such a massive project started teaching everyone who wanted to learn 
from childhood, I would see spirits, and I just felt like they were the extra people in my home. I had a hard time like sharing that. Uh, I grew up in the Bible Belt in South Carolina, and it's just not cool. Or <laughs> it's frowned upon. It's, it's demonic or ooh, you know, scary. I've always been a spooky kid. Um, I love everything paranormal. I can't. I don't have a memory where I didn't believe in magic and the paranormal. I use my intuitive abilities to help people identify their inner self. So have a deeper self-awareness. And through that, I'm able to um, help them see different perceptions and different um, belief systems that might be preventing them, you know, exploring their journey. Why is it crazy? I don't like it in here.